Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online pretty much the same thing, the way we're doing this, uh, at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. We are, uh, when you uh, when you get to that homepage, that's where that little address takes you, the, the homepage of Center Left Radio, you, you are uh, immediately, well, the first thing you see is a nice picture of the microphone I'm talking on, and then you have two links. The first is to the standard podcast feed, and that may well be where you've gone to listen to what you're listening to at this moment, Uh, the show that you're that you're uh, listening to. It's the first feed. It's the it's the way most people tend to get political talk radio. I don't know if we are are we technically political talk. I I I say we're we're the progressive voice of hope politics and jazz. And progressive, by the way, we use in the sense of the Teddy Roosevelt form of progressivism, which is everybody getting together and solving things by deciding what the problem is, recognizing that no one's going to get everything, and then coming up with compromise. That's quite different, to be honest with you, than progressivism in terms of being the far edge of the Democratic Party, although it would include the activities of people at, at that, in that particular sphere, in that particular realm of the Democratic Party. Uh, of course, the other link before I lose track of this thought completely, the other link on the homepage uh, for Center Left Radio, the second one, is to our radio loop. What's that? It's exactly what it sounds like. It is a version of this very same show, and you may be listening to that version of it. Uh, The show is running in a loop. And you pick it up when you hit the link. You pick it up whatever point the loop happens to be, wherever the show is within the loop. Get interested. Listen to it. It's very similar to the way uh, you've always listened to anything on the radio. Yeah, you turn on the dial, and if it's a talk show, the show is wherever it happens to be. You pick it up. You get interested, except we give you the little bonus that when you get to the end of the show, If you really got interested and wondered, geez, what happened in the beginning? Well, guess what? That's where the loop part comes in. The show goes back, starts from the beginning, and you get to hear what happened. The break from the end to restarting is is a matter of of two or three seconds, so you won't even uh, have to question whether or not, where's this go? Oh, there it goes. It starts again. It's right back up. Um, It is the final day of January. Uh, We still have no measurable snow in Central Park, although I must tell you, I'm I'm, I'm looking out the window here in the studio, and there are flakes falling this morning, and they're actually accumulating, just just the, the slightest little bit of accumulation on car windshields in the parking lot outside. So it, this, this will not, and, and again, we're 25 or 30 miles north of New York City. Uh, this would not count as uh, measurable. I mean, uh, and I can see that none of it is sticking on the ground. It's barely even uh, showing up on the grass. There's a lot, of, a lot of trees and grass and everything around here. The parking lot's sort of in the middle of all that. Um, so I, I doubt if it'll come out to being measurable. And from what I've seen on the weather forecast for today, what I'm seeing outside is the final edge of a little front that will then turn into pretty much all rain after that. So it's, 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 it's a semblance of winter, but it seems as though we will get through January with no measurable snow, even up here, a little north of the city, and uh, basically uh, uh, temperatures that defy meteorological reality. Well, we, we, we live in a, uh, a time where 
accepted or presumed realities have been challenged and defied again and again. And, and that's, of course, especially true in the political realm, where this guy named Donald is, uh, is still out there walking free, where he challenges and, and defies and uh, where every kind of lawsuit or every kind of set of circumstances is conspiring against him and where any other human would seem to have or presumably would have crumbled and fall. Any, well, any human without what appears to be unlimited, although questionable, legal uh, counsel, uh, constantly fighting and delaying and fighting and delaying, and anyone lacking that, lacking the counsel uh, to basically keep and extend and expand cases <clears throat> beyond their natural uh, time boundaries in any way they can, uh, would probably have already found themselves uh, at the wrong end of judgments or at least the wrong end of, uh, of a jury finding. But Donald seems to go on and on, to which you add the, uh, the, the, the wild card of having been the President of the United States and the, and, and, and the temerity that kind of uh, seems to overtake many prosecutors uh, at the thought of being the first to prosecute, potentially convict, potentially incarcerate a former sitting president of the United States. Well, there's never been anyone like him. And of course, then, therefore, the story builds and the legend of Donald builds and his followers become just as numbed to the wrongs that generate so much of uh, his legal activity and the seeming uh, invincibility of the man. His followers are huge fans of that, and it's all without any real recognition of the legal ugliness or the, or the uh, liability that this guy, uh, the way he operates generally. He's just basically a nefarious SOB. He can do anything, and his followers love it. They are not bound any more than he is by ethics or law or anything else. Watching him get away with stuff forever has got to be a high. And after a while, whether you consciously, whether his followers consciously or not uh, follow this particular pattern, I would imagine... Trump fans have to be thinking like him. You, you have to adopt his mindset, maybe even his moral code set, that, that I am above it all, uh, to, to restate it, if you're a Trumpian, I, we are above it all, and Donald is that which rises us above it all. I love the feeling of it. I love the feeling he gives me. I but, but ignoring, of course, that you may have been raised with certain moral and ethical standards that, of course, have to go by the wayside if you're a fan of Donald's. It's just, it's just part of this process. And it's, it's gone on for a, for a hell of a long time now. Um, I, 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 am, I am really, uh, and as many people, we were, I was stumped uh, back in, I guess it was 20, was it about 2017 or so, 2018? Cy Vance uh, was coming off of his stint as, uh, as the district attorney, the Manhattan district attorney, Cy Vance Jr., and he had a whole bunch of cases. There was one case in particular, actually there were two cases, or two potential cases involving Donald that were there, uh, that he had in his, in, in his quiver, as, as it were. Um, we'll, we'll get to those in a second. But as the transition to the new district attorney, this, this is what came with, uh, I guess, with the election of uh, Mayor Adams, the, new at, the, the, the then new uh, mayor of New York City. Uh, we got Alvin Bragg as the new DA. Cy Vance Jr. retired. Alvin Bragg came in. 
and uh, interesting stuff started to happen. It was assumed that Syvance would pass on two major cases in the making, as it were, involving Donald. Uh, D Donald Trump, I mean, and just to make sure we, we understand which Donald we're, we're talking about here. Not Donald, my brother-in-law, no. Donald Trump. And one involved the hyperinflation or the hyperdevaluation of properties owned by the Trump Corporation for the purpose of getting loans on the one end or uh, getting uh, or, or receiving tax breaks on the other. In other words, you, you hyper-evaluate your properties to say you're worth that much more, and when you go out to a bank or a lending institution, oh, you're worth that much more. Well, we can afford to give you that much more of a loan because your stuff is worth that much more. Well, as, as the initial investigations were showing, Trump hyper-re-evaluated, hyper up-evaluated much of what he had for purposes of getting loans. And there was documentation to show this. And there was documentation to show it in the other direction. In other words, devaluing the value of his stuff when you put that stuff in as part of your taxes. Okay? So, so, so that's, that's part of one of the things that was out there. This, this would have been a state case, city-state case, uh, and that was something that Cy Vance's office had, and it was passed over to uh, Alvin Bragg when he came in as, uh, as DA in, in uh, Manhattan County. Uh, then another case that you might recall uh, involving a guy by the name of Michael Cohen. Now, there was a federal case involving Michael Cohen. And that federal case, which was being brought in the Southern District of New York, uh, charged Cohen with a whole bunch of things. There were, th there were things involved with his... Uh, he had uh, medallion cabs, and he did not pay taxes on the medallions, and there was other tax evasion that he was confronted with. There were five or six counts of that. It was a multi-count suit. Again, this is federal court. And ultimately, he allocuted. He essentially pled guilty and declared before open court that he was guilty of a series of things. But this series of things was based on evidence presented by the federal court, by, by the prosecutors. He was not he was not, it wasn't like he allowed this to go or his attorneys advised him, wait, let's see how the jury will hear on this one. No, he allocuted, as they say. Allocution meaning I admit to, I freely and openly admit to the following. And, and, and that's how the case ended. It was this one particular thing that he allocated to that really was fascinating. And it involved... Oh, here we go. Uh, this is we're, we're we're getting into we're stepping into the time machine and and running it backwards uh, a few years to an earlier uh, Trump uh, uh, d defiance of norm and law and 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 and, uh, and and legality and everything else you can imagine, and we land at a place called Stormy Daniels. Remember, remember Stormy Daniels. Yeah, and, and, and I guess, well, well, while we're there, we would have to say Susan McDougal. There's another name. But somehow Stormy Daniels was always a more uh, potent and a more um, uh, evocative character because she had had a history of being a, an adult film star. She was a, she was a porno actress, basically. And um, Donald Trump, uh, true to his form, uh, had had an affair with her. And, and, and Susan McDougal also. And uh, I don't know if he paid them. I don't know what the deal... I forget how, what, what was involved in the, in the transaction of the sexual favors themselves with, with Donald. I mean, who the hell knows? 
and we're not basing this on some kind of religious or moral scruples and how dare you cheat on your wife. And Please, with Donald, that's, you know, come on. But when it became apparent that he was going to be or seemed to have already been uh, the, the uh, nominee of the Republican Party for the 2016 uh, election when he was running against Hillary Clinton, well, there were a whole bunch of little loose ends that needed tying up. And two of them, well, let's just stick to the one. The Stormy Daniels loose end meant that he had, and she obviously, uh, not being of the, uh, the highest moral caliber herself, and I'm not really necessarily saying this has anything to do with, with what her chosen profession was, but she had a bit of a reputation for, you know, pretty much playing fast and loose also, um, beyond what she did professionally. Uh, it was understood that she might very well want to uh, tell her story. And, 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 and this would have been very valuable and uh, Donald, uh, who already was, uh, you know, having fun with the media, and there had already been the release of the tape where he talked about, uh, I can grab women, I can do anything, and they love it, and blah, blah, blah. All that had been out there, the Access Hollywood tape. But, and as much as Donald was enjoying the defiance of it all and his, uh, and his uh, growing legions of, uh, yeah, you get him, Donald, uh, were enjoying the defiance, forgetting any, any moral or ethical considerations, forgetting anything, that, anything about how uh, we think of the qualifications for a president of the United States. All of that was, you know, ir irrelevant. But in Donald's mind, and, and he, he thinks is, you know, he thinks nefariously, uh, as, as well he would have to, um, the Stormy Daniels story was one that could have really hurt him. So he arranged through Michael Cohen uh, to hush her up. And it involved, uh, there was going to be a catch-and-kill situation with the, uh, with the National Enquirer. She would sell her story, and the National Enquirer would buy it, and she would get the money, and the Enquirer would not print it. This is a normal situation. And Stormy would then go away, and she would not push the story any further. And that's as far as it would go. Well, the story did get out. And it winds up part of what Michael Cohen allocuted to in Southern District of New York in federal court that ultimately got him uh, a three-year prison sentence. He served 18 months at Otisville, upstate New York. They, they, they call it a country club. It's not. It's still a prison, but it's minimum security, blah, blah, blah. And he still has a few more years of supervised release on top of all that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Got out in 18 months for good behavior, et cetera. But part of what he allocated to was taking payments from an unindicted co-conspirator person one, I believe, was referred to. There were checks. There was, there was Donald's name on the checks. It was all over them. The entire story was there. And the fact that Michael had therefore gotten this money illegally and basically used it illegally and bypassed all the tax and was in violation of, this was the big one for this, Michael was in violation of the federal election laws for unreported funds that were used for political purposes. That was part of his allocution. Well, logic, not only logic, law, sequence of facts, reality, says that he could have only done this, he only did it because he was doing it with someone. He did not wake up one morning and say, gee, it would be a lot of fun for me just to go ahead and pay $130 through several channels and, and try to make it look like it was a business expense or something or other, however the uh, Trump organization ultimately declared it. No, it was my entire idea to go ahead and suddenly just give money for no good reason to Stormy Daniels. No. See, Donald's name were, was on the checks. Everything is there. There is a paper trail, a perfect paper trail, putting this all in Donald's lap. 
But Donald was not indicted in the federal case. Michael Cohen was. And it was, it was a first, it was a first taste of how close um, any court could get to Donald. Donald was president by the time Michael allocuted. And it, it was the fir our first sense of how close things could get to Donald, but still not really touch him. And it was kind of a maddening situation uh, to realize that that person one, as, as Donald was uh, referred to in the federal case, was Donald. There was no one else it could be. There were his checks. There was his signature. But he was unindicted for purpose of this federal case. And it was maddening to, to, to many of us. Delightful, I'm sure, to his followers. Look at that. His, his attorney, the, his bag man, gets nailed for this, but Donald goes on. They can't touch him. It was part of the invincibility uh, imagery that surrounds the guy and that just gives endless joy to his followers. He's, he's bucking the system, he's doing this, and he's doing it somehow in my name, and somehow I get an, I, I empathetically, I, 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 buy, buy, I get a visceral reaction, a positive reaction to all this. I, I am becoming as low and as, and as thoughtless as he is because it makes me feel good and my capacity for discretionary thought, well, on and on and on. You know where that's going. The case now, Michael goes and he begins serving his sentence in Otisville. And it was assumed, Cy Vance was still in office as the Cy Vance Jr. as the local district attorney. And uh, it was assumed that he was going to do something with this case, but the timing was such that Alvin Bragg was about to succeed him. Bragg had come in on the Democratic ticket. The district attorney is an elected office here. And Bragg gets this case he also gets the evaluation, the, the re revaluation of property information. And it's assumed, given the conviction, given the allocution of Michael Cohen to the federal version of this, a state version of it should be a slam effing dunk. You've got the timeline, you've got the documentation, you've got the cast of characters. Michael Cohen has been convicted in federal court. The information is there from the feds. It's all there. It is a paper case. It is a financial case. Provided you can take this to the level of violating other ethical laws and within New York state law, not only do you get the, 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 the you know, uh, unindicted co-conspirator one on the tax fraud aspect of this, but you get him on several other things. Bottom, bottom line, if everything that the feds has and passes on to Alvin Bragg's office, and Bragg has all this information, it's, it's, it's part of open record, if, if they can get Trump on all of it, and there's absolutely no reason not to assume that they can, it's there, it's staring at them, it's signed pieces of paper, he could get as much as four years. He could be convicted and get as he personally, not, not the Trump organization, not this business of Alan Weisselberg doing six months to basically cover for the boss and all this other stuff. The Tr Donald himself, his name is on the pieces of paper, could get four years for this. Now, if you are interested in pursuing one of the most nefarious get-away-with-it types that there is and bragging all the way and always upping the ante. And if, you're, if you listen to his niece, Mary, who has said as a, as a licensed psychologist again and again that Donald can't stop. Her book was Too Much and Never Enough, a very well-chosen title. 
you realize that this is not a one-off situation, or you should realize, even then, that there would be a lot more coming down the pike, that if he goes unchallenged, Donald will just keep raising the ante. And a lot of people in the DA's office in New York had that feeling. And they kept pushing Alvin Bragg to basically bring the case against, against Trump, against Donald, that was defined in the federal case that defined Donald as co-conspirator one or individual one, however they called him, without actually naming him. It was there. And then, of course, there was the, 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 at the same time, if you feel like it, bring as part of the same case the revaluation of properties. Nope. Alvin Bragg decides not to. It goes away. And people within his office are so infuriated that basically two of the lead prosecutors in a very rare sort of a situation, certainly in the New York DA's office, quit very publicly. They quit, saying they basically are, in so many words, disgusted by the fact that Alvin Bragg refuses to, to do this. And again, as I said, and, 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 you, and you always have to have this in the background, and this is something that you have to be aware of, even as you're ev evaluating Merrick Garland and anyone else, and maybe even Fannie Willis down in Georgia, to be the first to bring a criminal charge against a sitting or former sitting president is a big effing deal. I, I, and as much as uh, everybody's equal against in, in the law, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's a biggie. And I, 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 would, I, I would be lying if I did not suggest or I did not admit to the fact that this has got to be, in some way, not in some way, in most definitely on the minds of all prosecutors dealing with Trump-related stuff. But having said that, the best case in the world, the best hand anyone was holding from a prosecutorial perspective was that being held by Alvin Bragg, and he basically cashed in his chips. He has two of his top prosecutors leave. Bragg's reputation, certainly here within the New York area, is absolutely trashed. He basically, to everybody... And I mean to Democrats and Republicans alike, Alvin Bragg, you say his name, wimp, nothing, won't do anything, afraid of prosecuting, on and on and on. Alvin Bragg came out of this looking really, really ugly. With all that, this is why what just happened yesterday is something of a shock. It seems that Michael Cohen has been before a local, or it was about to be, he knows, he's about to be called before a special grand jury impaneled by Alvin Bragg, special grand jury, to basically review precisely what happened in the Stormy Daniels situation. You don't bring in, you don't create a special grand jury, and this is a grand jury with more time and more scope than most other grand juries. It's designed to be around for a while to handle everything that will be happening with a particular case. You don't want the grand jury to disband before you've gotten what you need to get done. You want some continuity in their activity. And they are going to be receiving and they are going to be doing pretty much exclusively the Stormy Daniels, Donald Trump stuff that's already out there. The, the roadmap is there. They're going to be reviewing the roadmap. And it seems absolutely inconceivable that that would not end with an indictment being brought against Donald Trump. And even more, it's hard to, it's not hard to know, it's important to understand that in a paper trail financial case where the documentation speaks 
more than any one witness, where you can point on paper to what was done, that's where the slam dunks take place. And Alvin Bragg has had that slam dunk available to him since the day he came into office, chose to pass, to fold on it, and suddenly now, suddenly now, for whatever reason, has decided that he is going to undertake it. I, 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 one can only surmise that some, something has arisen in the man he has had a, uh, a, a rebirth of sorts. He's had a, a renaissance, a, uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. But he's doing the right thing. He's just doing it a few years late. Maybe, maybe he feels safer having watched his counterpart, a, a Fannie Willis, down in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, announce recently that she, her office, is on the verge of basically uh, bringing an indictment, she hasn't said an indictment, but she said that, that further action is imminent. Her grand jury uh, that basically put together the information about Trump basically on the, on the public phone call to Raffensperger saying, uh, you know, I want you to come up with, was it, I forget how many it was, 11,300, yeah, like, come on, they're there, they're there, they're there, come, and if you don't do it, oh, you're in trouble. You know, it's like, you know, come on, man. The difference there in the, in the Fannie Willis situation down in Atlanta, there is a phone call. D Trump is there. The, the one defense that he would have, I mean, it's, it's all laid out there. He would have to say, and a jury would have to believe I, honest to God, believed that I had at least 11,700, whatever the number was, votes available to me. And I was merely encouraging the, 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 the uh, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State for the state of Georgia, to do his duty. I, I, I wasn't encouraging anything illegal, and I certainly didn't know as apparently everyone else on earth knew, certainly Brad Raffensperger knew, certainly everyone in, in, the judicial, in the judicial circus knew, certainly all the lawyers knew, certainly all of Trump's advisors knew, certainly everybody on earth by then knew that the votes weren't there, that there were the fake electors slates that were being put together by Eastman. Everybody on earth but Donald Trump You'd have to believe this for Trump to get off in this case. Everyone on earth but him knew that he had lost, knew that there were not 11,700 and whatever votes available to him in Georgia, but somehow Donald, in good faith, did not really know this. So we would have to accept that his, his mental uh, state his capacity to shut out morals and ethics and facts that he doesn't want to deal with would actually, in this case, be a defense against what for anyone else on earth doing the same thing would be a slam-dunk criminal situation. But, and and it's, 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 it's inconceivable that that defense would work, but it is a potential defense. Intention is everything. That's Fannie Willis's case. But here in New York, the case with the Stormy Daniels payment, the illegality of it, the proof of it, is, does not depend on Donald telling you one way or the other what he did or what his thought process was. No, it's in the documentation. It's in the paperwork. The paper is self-probative in this situation. And so when Alvin Bragg dropped this thing a few years back, people just threw up their hands and it just added to the invincibility image that Donald had, that no one can touch him. Bragg as well, he's been humiliated, whatever, however, maybe someone got to him, or maybe just the notion of going up against Donald and his team of incredibly powerful lawyers. He doesn't have power, incredibly powerful lawyers. He knows he has lawyers who know how to delay, 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 delay. 
that will not happen in a criminal case of this sort being brought. It, it just, it will not. The facts are there. The grand jury will indict and it will be held. To, there's, there's a very limited number of avenues that uh, Trump's team could possibly choose or attempt to negotiate to get around this. And it's a state situation, just like it would have been in Georgia. This is not something that some future Republican president, in his fantasies, Donald himself perhaps, could forgive. Hi, I, I've been reelected, God help us, and I will now, um, because it was a witch hunt against me in New York, and I will now go ahead and forgive myself of the uh, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. Can't do that with state cases. No. He can do that with a federal case, not a state case. And, and so what you're hearing a lot, and understandably right now, uh, in the media, is that this is, this, is, this is the big one, or at least for the moment. Th this is the most obvious. We, we, uh, we were saying this, I was saying this on air, that the, uh, the, the documents case, the Mar-a-Lago documents case, that would have been the obvious one, but obviously once documents were found with Biden, then found with Pence, that took the wind out of those sails and probably left Merrick Garland breathing a certain sigh of relief. Oh, goody, now all I have to do is deal with the, uh, uh, in other words, I, 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 I really don't know that I can do this. I have it in the hands of special prosecutors, one for Trump, one for Biden. Let them do what they have to do, and eventually I'll worry about that. Let me get on to something else. He goes ahead and he announces the, he got on TV yesterday, Merrick Garland, and announced that they had indicted, or arrested actually, uh, a group of uh, a group for hire, a, a murder for hire group out of somewhere in Eastern Europe that had been hired by the Iranians to kill a Brooklyn-based Iranian-American woman who was speaking out against the regime. Uh, her name is out there quite a bit. She's in the press. And this is what Merrick Garland chose to present uh, to the press yesterday to show how big and tough and mean and, and how uh, supportive of all things legal he is. He didn't mention the fact that he probably is praying he can punt at least for a while on the Mar-a-Lago case, and now it's in Alvin Bragg's lap, or it's in Fannie Willis's lap, or maybe uh, by the time uh, anything, he, he just, will someone else please just bring the first indictment? What, however this is playing out in people's minds. It, it's, it's funny how people who you least expect can sometimes um, I, I guess in the case of Alvin Bragg, uh, grow a pair and, and, and recognize that, that this is a moment where he has to assert himself once and for all. He is holding the strongest case against Donald that there is. It's a paper financial case. It's there. An indictment and a, and a conviction on just the basic stuff is a virtual slam dunk. He would be the first. My sense is everybody else may be waiting to see who will drop that first indictment shoe. In the interim... Donald will get crazier and crazier and ramp up and ramp up. His accusations will get nuttier as we're watching his truth social and as he begins finally to start campaigning, he is making, he is affiliating himself more and more with QAnon. He is basically going, he's doing exactly what his niece Mary has said he would do and said he would do forever. She said the same thing. Go back to the title of her book, Too Much and never enough. Donald has no breaks. 
He has no steering wheel. He has an accelerator that's stuck to the floor, and he just goes straight ahead, and he plows through. And this becomes what he is, and it's this incapacity to steer away from or to slow down or to give any kind of reasonable thought to anything, to just go at full speed and constantly have a series of lawyers who are basically buying time all around him or basically trying to give him the cover of having been a president of the United States and keeping this fear of indictment thing going. Going, he cannot stop himself. And until he is stopped, stopping meaning indicted, until an indictment hits him square between the eyes, he will not even recognize that he can't stop. The indictment will slow him down because, because things around him will begin to basically come to a screeching halt. The, the skids, the greased skids that keep, that keep him going within his own party, within his own group, they will begin to dry up more and more. As the case proceeds, as facts basically come out, as the next indictment after that comes out, things will begin to slow this guy down. And this is the only way it happens. The only way you stop him is by literally stopping him and stopping him legally and making it impossible, making it so uns savory, making the consequences of being around him and embracing him and basically supporting him or even mouthing, even a Lindsay, even a Lindsay, Day, uh, you know, a Lindsey Graham would have a hard time. Once an indictment comes down, I want to hear Lindsey Graham's whole, whole throated, you know, full throated support of Donald and his case at that point. I want to hear him start saying it's a lie. It's a lie. I want to see how the people who are supporting him continue to to support him at that point once he becomes truly legally toxic. That's going to be a different situation that doesn't begin to happen in reality until he is indicted, until the first shoe drops. By God, Alvin Bragg would seem to have the heaviest shoe that still doesn't mean that Fannie Willis might not beat him to it. It doesn't look like uh, Merrick Garland is going to be the first at this point. But one of those two state courts in New York or Georgia, Alvin Bragg or Fannie Willis, is going to have to be the first to start this process, this, to, to re-inject re, re the reality, consequence, moral and ethical comeuppance, for someone who has operated above the law and operated with the aegis and the, and the cloak of presidency in his mind, untouchability for as long as this man has to, to begin pulling us out of our national insanity to at least dull the, the, the sneering smiles on the faces of true believer Trumpians that this, this can't go on forever, that at least, look, there are consequences to this, that somewhere in the privacy of their, wherever Trumpians sit and talk among themselves, ah, uh, yeah, well, you know, it looks like, yeah, you know, you know this, this it looks, it looks, yeah, they could get him, yeah. Oh, no, 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 His, they'll get him off. They always get him off. Oh, well, I don't know. It's those first, well, I don't knows that will begin, I believe, the, the real start of a healing process. First you cry, you know, is the old story. And, 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 and it'll be a, there'll be some reality testing for true Trumpians. But that has to happen. It, has to ha it, it can't happen soon enough. And it seems as though it will be either New York through Alvin Bragg or Georgia. Georgia seems to be ready to... You know, Alvin is still in the uh, in, in the in the special grand jury phase. Georgia, uh, Fannie Wills says that she's ready to announce. It's it, it'll be sooner than later that something will come, and the beginning of reality testing for Trumpians will start in earnest. 
Where will that take us as we move into the 2024 presidential season? What will it do to the Republican Congress, which is already showing signs of, of uh, saying one thing on Fox and doing all the fire branding, but the reality of what they're doing within the Congress seems a little more moderated, if you will. Is the reality, is, is this reality actually sinking into the likes of a Kevin McCarthy and others in the larger, uh, still weak and, and weak in the knees and spineless uh, Republican uh, conference in the House? But could it be that they recognize, A, that the center, well, the, 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 the uncommitteds, the, the unaffiliateds in this country, who basically dictate our elections, uh, are not in favor largely of the go out and get them, seek revenge notions that most of the Republican uh, platform, well, there's no platform, but their threats of what we're going to do when we're elected, that is not appealing to the independents as much as it was supposed to. It didn't. <laughs> Otherwise, they would have won by a far larger measure uh, during the 2020 election. So, uh, Hope springs eternal. And as always, change is the unavoidable and magical constant of all our lives. Just when you think the guy will never be touched, just when you're getting all downhearted about Merritt Garland and he's, no, he's not going to move and is that it, it's over. And Donald goes on and he's still running for president and he's still flailing and he's saying even crazier shit than he ever said before. Just... That's always when change manages to let you know that, uh, sorry, you know, entropy and everything, entropy and, and just change generally are the nature. It is in the nature of the universe. I'm not going to get into energetic things right now, but it's going to change. And from that, I would take hope. Uh, you cannot have change without hope. You cannot have hope without change. That's the whole nature of hope, moving forward in something. It's, by the way, hope and love are the same thing, if you're wondering about that. They're, they're all totally interconnected. Hope and love are interconnected simply because, <laughs> because in English, the word love is so limited. They're, they're, it's just, it's, there should be about five or six or eight words that, that define different aspects of love. The ancient Greeks had that. We don't have it in English. For whatever reason, we wound up with it this way. But within the limitations of our language, hope and love are the same thing. Ponder that the next time you're really, really feeling down. And, uh, well, this being center-left radio... Do it with a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Alvin Bragg, District Attorney of New York, has apparently grown a pair and is about to play the best hand that any prosecutor in the country has vis-a-vis Donald Trump. He's going after him. He has the case. It's laid out. It's a paper case. Getting Donald Trump indicted is the only thing, only thing that will begin to pierce the sense the veil of invincibility, and the rest falls from there.